at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. You know, this idea just popped into my head. I'm always looking for new podcasts, YouTubers at the volume, my new podcast company. Why shouldn't I do a Saturday podcast on USC football? You know, make it about 20 weeks, talk about all their victories, Pac-10 titles with Lincoln Riley, recruiting five-star commitments. Easy to find a sponsor. They'd line up. I love recruiting elite talent. Going to be lacking in content. Sounds easy now. I think I think it maybe it should be five weekends a year, right? Not 20? Well, it would have been four weekends last year <laughs> doing a USC podcast. I've called uh, Colin a lot of things in the past. Creepy is not one of them, but I think we got to add that to the list after that video. That was weird of him smoking a cigar and saying that. I like it, though. I, I thought it was great. Uh, it's, it's excellent. You gotta you gotta respect it because you know where that video's aimed, right? Right at us. Directly at Oklahoma. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna do this and these two morons in the afternoon are gonna lead their show with <laughs> Fire it. Today. Ca- Firecracker Frankie and who's yeah. the other guy? <laughs> well, that that's the morning show. I don't that's know what a- he would call us in the afternoon. Uh it's so great. Um I love it. I love it. I love the back and forth. Um Here's the thing, though, because I saw this graphic, and I don't know where it was, but the 100-win club over the last decade, did you see that? Yeah. Um, What, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then you've got the 90-win, and then the 80-win, and then the 70, 60, 50, whatever. Oh, USC all the way back in, what, the 70-win club right there with Texas. That's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be for SC. But, yeah, they've had a very decade-of-suck-like run, uh, much like Texas has. You know, not only are all their residents in L.A. flocking to Austin, their uh, two football programs oddly mirror each other quite a bit. I love how Collins say, be easy to find a sponsor. Yes. No, No, you're totally right, Colin. A college football program that probably gets about 30,000 fans a game. Oh, yes. People would be flocking to sponsor <laughs> your USC football podcast. Without a doubt, dude. You nailed that one. Yeah. And I was looking. I just thought, man, you know, you probably go back. 2011 was a 10-win uh, year for USC. You know, if you, pro- if you don't include that year, it probably drops off. Quite a bit. Ooh, yeah. 2012, 7 and 6. Text line, you're being really funny right now um, about some certain things. Um, I am acknowledging them on the text line, but I cannot read them on the out loud. Oh, what do you mean? You've got to get creative. (sighs) Okay, I'll get creative. Colin was really enjoying that cigar, is uh, one of them. And you guys are butt crack and back sack in the drive home. (laughs) 
in the drive home zoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly who we are. He said Pac-10. WTH is the Pac-10. Yeah, exactly. That's how tuned in he is to things right now. Did it used to be the Pac-10? It used to be the Pac-10. It was the Pac-10 when you played. That's Though what I, I was don't, thinking. It's, it's crazy of me to think that you would have known that at the time. I think <laughs> I knew that. That was back in the good old days whenever you had a conference name that had a number in it. That was how many teams were in your conference. Except the Big Ten. The Big Ten had 11 during uh, those days. Okay. But, yes, My the Pac-10 had 10. The Big 12 had 12. Yeah, that was, that was accurate for the most part. Can I say one thing real quick about Muleshoe without sounding so, you know. If it's quick. Why do I think that he's going to win out there when he couldn't win with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray? He did win with Baker. No, he didn't, no, win, a, he did, he didn't win a playoff game. Okay. He didn't win a playoff game. Well, let's define win. Okay, yeah, let's define win. Go win ahead. in terms of what everyone thinks that he's going to do out there. Oh, God, he's going to own the West Coast. You watch. He's going to, hell, he's going to win a national title by year three. All right, well, I refuse to believe that he's going to have a quarterback as good as Kyler Murray out there at USC. And if he couldn't win that at OU, like, you don't tell me you can't win at OU or you didn't win at OU, but you're going to go do it out at USC. Right. If you can win in Oklahoma, you can win anywhere. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's just a he's not going to have the best quarterback play that he's ever had. Where is he going to make up the difference? Well, it's not going to be special teams or on defense. So good luck. I stand firm on my prediction that he's never going to win a playoff game out there. Well, he can own the West Coast. And it's still not amount to jack squat, right? Well, so, yeah. Um, Parker and I were having the conversation. Fune? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> Last hour that uh, the on three rankings are, and they did, you know, their top 300 players, which players come from the, from the state, you know, which states have the most players. Right. Texas 51, Florida 47, Georgia 33, California only with 21. I just I don't think it's as deep and rich with talent that it used to be, and that directly affects a school like SC. Yeah, here's the thing and about the rest that. of the Pac-12 schools. Here's the thing about that. I think that grading three your top three hundred in the entire country is impossible to do. Hmm. I I think after you get outside of the top probably 100 the the next group is like you know there's probably 500 kids that are about the same you know what i'm saying interesting you're you're about to defend the state of california but please continue well i just i think that that's really difficult to do and it's really arbitrary, some of those rankings and ratings. I mean, I guess, but players. California used to be deemed as one of the top three, and now well, Georgia has overtaken them. I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of telling. Here's the – well, a couple of things. Num- I'll, I'll first say, first and foremost, California should have way more talent than that coming out. How many people are in the state of – California. There's got to be I think two 50 billion. million. I mean, there, it's <laughs> it's absolutely massive, both in size and in population. So whatever the you can't tell me that there's that many people there, and there's only twenty top twenty one twenty one top players. There's got to be more talent there. Now, uh, is it undeveloped? Is it um, 
are are they doing other things? Are they playing other sports? Maybe playing basketball right now. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but that is it seems like a, a really untapped wealth of talent out there that you're just not getting very much of yeah. right now. And it may have something to do with the fact that college football is is really down out there. I here's here's something to consider too. Like yes, could it be arbitrary? Sure. Does California actually have better talent base than what this is leading on? Maybe. But look at their surrounding states. Oregon's not producing a whole lot of great players. Right. Washington's not producing a whole lot of players. Arizona kind of hit and miss. Utah, like, college football people are really worried that it's getting regionalized right now. Well, recruiting is very regionalized right now. The top schools in terms of producing talent, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, like you get it, it's all in that same region. It's all feeding those schools in the SEC. Like California is really the only talent-rich state that the Pac-12 has right now. And it's not like other Pac-12 schools are going into the Southeast and getting players. Like there's not as much talent to feed all those schools out there in the Pac-12. And I think that that's a a pretty big deal for for that league, you know? There's not enough talent to go around in that entire conference. Whereas... In the SEC region, this area of the country, there there is there's there's way way more talent to go around with those schools. I agree with that. Um, I, one of the things, though, I take Georgia for instance, much smaller population than California, but they have a much better football team in the state right now. That's got all of the recruiting momentum. So. One of the things that I believe that happens, and this isn't something that I'm coming up with, this is this is old, when Georgia offers a guy, guess what? His rating with the talent evaluators oh, goes up. Oh, there's a up. bias. There's no doubt there's a bias when it comes to that. So whenever you have some of these guys in the Southeast that are getting offered by Alabama and Georgia, well, guess what? They must be really, really totally. good no, players. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that can inflate that. And that's why I'm saying a lot of it's so arbitrary. It's hard to really know. But here's the thing. There's a ton of talent in California. And right now, they're not getting any bang for their buck out of it. I, there's, there's some good players that are coming out of California, don't get me wrong, but not nearly as much as should be with the the – Massive amount of of people that are out there. Yeah, and that's why, I guess that's just my pushback. One of the many that I have is, oh, he's going to go out there to the West Coast and dominate and win a championship. Well, is there enough talent out on the West Coast to win a national championship with? Or is he going to have to get into other areas of the country to build up a roster that can beat an OU, a Georgia, an Alabama, a Clemson, an Ohio State? I don't know. I, I I don't know if you can just live on... West Coast talent and win a natty anymore. That used to be the case. SC did that for sure. Though SC still went national with some with some kids that they were able to get. Hell, Dwayne Jarrett was a New Jersey kid. I don't know if you can just stick out on the West Coast, though, and, and win big. Well, Everyone thinks you still can. I, I doubt it a little bit. Here's the thing. This is the biggest roadblock that Lincoln Riley's going to have, okay? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, those guys won the Heisman Trophy. Or they were awarded the Heisman Trophy. but What is that supposed to mean? Well, Jeez. who won him the Heisman Trophy was those offensive lines. Oh, God. Okay. And we had the best offensive line in the country in 17 
and in 18. What they won the Joe Moore Award in 18, but in 17 right. they were they were unbelievable. I think they were maybe better in 17. Yeah, than they were I, and I agree with that. And we all know that the offensive line slowly but surely a little bit downhill each and every year. He's not, Caleb Williams, in, in even last year, a bad offensive line compared to Oklahoma standards was still you know one of the best in the Big 12, maybe the best in the Big 12. He ain't going to have that out at USC, right? And Lincoln's not going to be stepping into uh, a Bill Beatonbow offensive line like he did at Oklahoma. That's going to be their biggest hangup. And if, if folks out there think that they're just going to start clipping off national championships or Heisman Trophy winners, better look to the trenches, baby, because that's going to be the biggest flaw for that team. For and sure. that that is the hardest place to recruit and to make a difference. And I, I just I don't know if they're going to be able to do it out there. Agree. Uh, we got to get to our good friend Bob Stoops. Yeah. Next. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Coach Bob Stoops joins us next. Brown O'Haver studio. Bob Stoops going to be joining us in five minutes. We'll catch up with him as Teddy does the uh, Pee Wee Herman dance. <laughs> Isn't that the song that he's doing it's, it to? It is this song, yeah. <laughs> when I think of this song, I think of Pee Wee Herman and uh, Sandlot. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That was Good really stuff. creepy seeing it. I don't know what was creepier, that Colin Cowherd audio clip or you doing the Pee Wee Herman dance i don't know well if i was doing the peewee herman with the big old cigar in my mouth maybe okay, that would, would be the stop? creepiest you're really creeping everyone out now dude <laughs> are you serious uh, that's what i do i'm good at that the creep factor going on yeah we'll uh catch up with bob here momentarily uh let's get to the air cover solutions text line before we do that california population 39.1 million texas population 2 million florida population 21 million Texas population, it says 2019, 2 million. Mm, I figured it'd be a lot, lot more than that. Yeah, it is. Maybe It's got to be 20-something million. Georgia maybe. population, 10.2 million. Where California has dropped back in terms of depth of play, Georgia has been the state that has really taken a, a big-time rise. Yeah. Yep, it has. Um, mm. You know, I, I'll tell you what's interesting is there seems to be quite a few players coming out of the northeast area um at least elite players i don't know dc area yeah i don't know that they've got necessarily the volume but there's been some really good talent come out of there recently but yeah i mean it's so interesting out west because you know there's just you know there's a, a big group of talented players but for whatever reason, it just it hasn't shown up, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Is I don't know if like the the lack of uh, college football being like in the in the real championship hunt out there, or I, I just I don't know I don't know what the case is. Yeah, uh, Sean sends. I think this is from Max Preps, where we were looking at the top three hundred players. Here's where the top one hundred players are. So here's something that you're probably more interested in, because you were saying mm-hmm. it's really hard to rank the top three hundred. Uh, California has seven of the top one hundred. Texas has seventeen. Louisiana has six. 
Alabama has 11, Georgia has 9, Florida has 22. So Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Florida all have more top 100 players than California, and Louisiana only has one less. That's extremely telling. That's It's really interesting. Missouri has three. Jeez. I wonder if – because I think there's got to be an influence on it two ways, like the Alabama thing. Alabama, obviously a smaller population than a lot of those schools. They had 11. So – there's got to be a bias that, okay, they're close to Alabama, so they're probably being offered by Alabama, which is probably upping their, their rating. And then there's also the fact that Alabama is really good, best program in the country, which also feeds into the narrative of like the local kids in that area want to be good. So yeah. you have both of those things that are really driving it. I'd like to see... Like, for Oklahoma, because we've had a, I mean, for the most part, a, a the population has stayed about the same, and I'm sure it's it swung a little bit. And Oklahoma's been pretty good consistently over the last 20 years. But I wonder what our talent in-state on like a top 100 does relative to how good Oklahoma is at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if there's any huh. type of correlation there. I don't feel like there is. I, I there feel, may not be I feel at like all. there's it's a pretty not but, hit or miss because there's always like good talent. It's hit or miss in terms of elite talent. Like the right. the last five star in the state was twenty nineteen, Dax Hill. Here's what I'm saying though. I, I but that is an interesting theory. Because he, mark my words right now. If USC starts to do better out there, the numbers in California are going to go up. Yeah. And are they going to go up because all of a sudden there's better players out there, or are they going to go up because USC and Oregon may be on the rise and bringing more attention to that area, thus the recruits in that area are being rated higher? I don't know. I don't know how scientific it is. And it may be all just a – a shot in the dark, but maybe there is like tons of legitimacy. This to says it. less and less kids are playing football in California over the last five years. So you may That's be on across a the country it, it, too. It, it looks like basketball is really kind of I don't know if taken over is the big thing in California, but more and more high level athletes seem to be playing basketball in that state. That's a guess by me. I'm not out there or anything, but just a an observation from the outside. That would be my guess as to where the football players are going. And I would also say that. California over the last two years has been hit way harder with the high school COVID restrictions and stuff than really anyone else. Um, so that has to have some type of factor like immediately as to, as to what's going on out there. But I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. It definitely should be higher given the amount of players that are out there on the West Coast. But my gut tells me we're, we're going to see those, those rankings rise with some of the recruits in that area. But time will tell, I guess. Yeah, time will tell. All right, uh, favorite segment of the entire week. Coach Bob Stoops joins us. Uh, this interview brought to you by Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. 
Bob, happy Fat Tuesday. Rock and Roll Tequila is a Fat Tuesday drink, correct? Absolutely. I bet there's a whole bunch of it being rolled around today. No doubt about it. Well, Coach, uh, we got a lot going on. Uh, it, it's. I wanted to get your thoughts on something that I was just reading an article. And it has to do with some of the rule change proposals and just kind of limiting some of the exposure for the players and, and maybe changing some of the clock uh, characteristics after kickoffs, after incomplete passes, after first downs, and stuff like that. And this has been a big conversation over the last several years. What's your take on that? Do you I – mean, and, and you're always going to want things to be as safe as possible, there's no doubt, but is there a line where, where maybe too much uh, whenever it comes to limiting everything for these players, or are you okay with all this? I'm always okay with anything to enhance player safety or concerns about players. I do believe sometimes there's too many snaps uh, for in some games. Uh, I think overall around the country, fan attendance, people don't want to be at a game for four hours, 15 minutes. Uh, they get a little bit too long. There's too many commercial breaks. Um, you know, uh, you know, there could be, you know, Defense can be out there or an offense for 90 snaps in a game. So I, I think it's worth looking at to, to, to put the game in a better window, not only for people at the game, but for TV windows. Uh, might, it might reduce the number of, you know, play exposures players get. Like you're on the field, Teddy, as a linebacker for 90 snaps. Woo! You know, something like that. You know, this. Anyhow, um, I think anything that's enhanced the game and the player safety is always, always very much worthwhile. I want to ask you about a uh, couple guys that are currently on staff. First, Kale Gundy, and there was an article that you were quoted in on the Athletic this week that was really well done. He, what he's the longest tenured Big Twelve coach right now, which is crazy. How important is it with? It's a new era of OU football. You got a new head coach. The the move to the SEC is coming up soon. How important was it to keep Cale Gundy on the staff moving forward? That was very important. And, uh, you know, nobody cares about this program and, and you know, an OU than, than Cale does. Uh, he's been a mainstay since I, you know, got here in uh, December of 98. So I don't know why it would surprise anybody that he's the longest tenured uh, assistant coach Um I was the longest tenured head coach until I stepped away. So, um, no, Cal's been critical to to the success of this program, very critical. Um, not only in the positions he, he recruits, but the influence he has on other positions, how he relates to so many people. And, um, you know, so he's invested. His, you know, and, and uh, you know, that month, you know, that, that I took over and, was a head coach for the the bowl game in that recruiting week or two. You know, Kel, Kel was the one that laid out the schedule, where I'm going, who I need to see, offense, defense, whatever. You know, he was not just his position. He he laid it all out, and uh, you know, and who I needed to go see recruiting-wise and, and had it all orchestrated in a great way. Do you remember how that – came about I'm trying to remember and it may have been in that article Tyler was Kel was he at Alabama Birmingham 
Was that where yeah. you hired yeah. him from? How how did you become familiar with him? Did you did you coach against him? And like, how did that yeah. hire come about? Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't know about him at UAB, but I I can I was a D coordinator at Kansas State, going against him for all those years, and and always respected, appreciated the way he competed, the way he played. Of course, I knew you know, and then you look into him. You know, someone had hit me, put his name in front of me, and. You start researching them, born and raised here. And, you know, and again, I knew from competing against them what a great player he was here. All of it together just fit. And I wasn't afraid of his youth. Um, you know, I had, you know, other guys on the staff with, you know, older and more mature. But, you know, Kale, I loved the background at OU and, and his, his winning ways when he was here. And uh, so it was an easy hire for me, really was. That's a perfect segue to my next question because I, I know you fielded so many questions about Brent Venables, but when you left Kansas State to go to Florida, I believe Brent was a GA for a couple years while you were in Manhattan, so there was a little bit of crossover, but when you were putting together your first staff at OU, what was it about Brent that you had seen at Kansas State or, or heard while you were in Gainesville to not only add him to your staff, but kind of let him have a pretty big role there to start things off in 99. Well, everything about him. I recruited him, you know, to, to Kansas State. Knew him as a, from high school to, to coming to play for us at, at Kansas State. I, I saw him meet his wife, Julie, and bring her, bring him for the first time to a recruiting function. Um, you know, he was a grad, graduate assistant for us, and I was part of, you know, visiting with Coach Snyder about hiring him full-time. I said, there, yeah, we, we can get somebody with 10, 15 years of experience on him, but not, not in our system. He's been playing in our system all these years. No one's going to know, you know what our linebackers do better than he does. So I didn't care. I, you know, I, I think I helped Coach Snyder get over the hump there. Don't worry about his age. He knows how we play. So all of it you know, worked there at Kansas State. And so when we were putting the staff together, I, I had – you know, when I was taking the job here, I had already talked to my brother Mike, and, you know, we wanted, he and I both wanted Brent with us. And to do that, you know, Mike was willing to share the title, you know, the, the coordinator title. He says, shoot, I don't care about that. Let's get Brent with us. And, uh, you know, and I already had Mark Mangino coming from Kansas State, too. Of course, we were all tight. And so that, you know, so it, it, you know, they all were on board with as soon as I took the job, they were going to come. And now they they waited to, to finish through their bowl game and all. But uh, but those three were all set to come with me when I when I took the job, which was a which was a big plus for me. That was a there was a lot of comfort in those three guys coming with me. Is that the hardest thing as a whenever you're first getting going as a as a head coach is putting together your staff because. It's the most important thing, and whenever you take that leap, I guess maybe you have a chance to ask those guys before you take a job, but um, there's got to be a little bit of unknown about who you will actually be able to hire. That's, that's got to be one of the, one of the biggest moments of, of taking that first job. There's no question. It's the biggest moment. Uh, it's getting it right the first time is a big deal, and, and getting jump-started, and I – Luckily, I hit it out of the park with the, my first staff. You look at all those guys and all they've done from not just with us and what they've moved on from and done. 
Um, you know, we had an incredible first staff, and I was lucky to the way it all worked. And it is. It's a big jigsaw puzzle when you get a pool of money and who's going to get paid what and, you know, and who's going to coach which positions, who's, you know, all of it, what kind of maturity and age do they bring on and on, you know. So it was uh, – it's a it's a major part of having success early. And, and again, luckily we, we hit a home run with our first group here. This segment with Coach Bob Stoops brought to you by Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. Go check out Yo Pablo on this Fat Tuesday. Teddy and I have uh, been talking about recruiting today and just kind of where you know the most talent is spread out across the country. I'm curious, and I don't know if you can exactly quantify it or not, but how much did winning that national championship in 2000 help your recruiting when you're talking about years 01 and 02 kind of directly after? No, it was it was a kidding me. It was. It was a huge boost. Uh, there's no way to no way to put a marker on it. Uh, it, it. Everybody in the country took notice of us. And then, you know, even young people who, you know, we had maybe had a, a very strong history leading up to that. Now they start researching and looking into the history a little bit more and start real people, you know, these young, they started realizing that this is a great place and you know, and built to last and with great tradition and history. And, you know, that 2000 group and winning that game just absolutely catapulted us into, you know, into the next many years. And last one I've got for you is just kind of building on that. We're about to make the move to the SEC, which I don't know if it's going to be next season. I don't know if it's going to be the season after that. I don't know what the timeline is, but – it seems like whenever you look at like take a Texas A and M for example, joining the SEC just I don't that membership I guess being able to to claim all of those guys going to the NFL out of that conference and everything that they've got a boost. Do you expect a similar boost for Oklahoma? I really do. Um, you know, I think we've been knocking on the door. You know, been to three playoff games here in the last five years and. You know, we've we've had you know we've been able to win the Big Twelve, uh, you know, a great good great number of years and all, but that's kind of where we've been. And I, I think overall, I I've said this I think many times we're you know three four five players away from maybe winning it all, mm-hmm. whether it be you know maybe more on defense, uh, but you know even you know even some offensive players, or, but you know for sure even some more defensive players where we've got an opportunity to to get over that hump and uh you know instead of being 11 and 2 and you know what we're number 10 in the country this year but we've been in the top 10 and maybe this you know this move you know with all the extra that goes with it and and proving what we're doing around our facility as well you put it all together and and we get those four five six guys that now all of a sudden can make that difference Yep, totally agree. We've talked on here. We feel like Oklahoma plays their best football when they're in the toughest conference. And let's face it, too. There's been articles and people now that last week have been talking about attendance in college football, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's a big deal. And look how far down the Big 12 has fallen in the last few years. Well, you think we're going to get a little boost when Alabama's coming to town and Florida and LSU and on and on? No doubt. I think that might give us a little bit of boost. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to to host those teams and go into some of those different venues. 
going to be awesome. The only way it doesn't is if uh, everyone's scared off by the crazy <laughs> LSU fans coming into town. But <laughs> yeah. everyone else, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yes. No doubt. Coach, we but, appreciate but anyway, you. You know, oh. everybody that yeah. chimes in on this argument, whether it's good for us or not, that's a big part of this argument. Oh, there's no doubt. And, no doubt. And, and, uh, and, but I think it gets overlooked a lot here locally. Uh, but that, that's a big deal. Um, filling that stadium, selling those suites, all in all. Uh, this is this is going to give it all a big boost, as, as well as I believe it'll boost the program. Totally agree, Coach. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks for stopping by the show, as always. All right, guys. Good to be with you. Have a good day. See you. All right, Coach. Boomer sooner. Yeah, yeah. You give it to. Him. Hey, um, I got four tickets to tonight's basketball game to give away, courtesy oh, really? of Air Comfort Solutions. Yeah. Now, look. Hmm. All right. When I get these away, I'm going to give two pair of two. If you text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, please, like, actually go to the basketball game if I'm going to give them away, okay? <laughs> um, what's, what, what do you want? To, what's, what should the keyword be? Your favorite number? You just want to do that? Uh, yeah. Text right. the first four, well, I guess first two. First two people that text in Teddy's favorite number on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 651-3439. I'll give you tickets to tonight's you basketball You say it's my day. favorite number. You could say how many points OU's going to score yeah, tonight. Just include. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just include his favorite Whatever. number in there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number one of the rush on this Tuesday. As always, appreciate Bob Stoops for hopping on the show. And we gave away the tickets. Yeah, a lot of people texting in, 69, but I can't go. Give them to someone else. <laughs> but we found well, a Well, just people. give them to a first responder. Terry Price, Mark, and Newcastle are two winners. They uh, will both receive two tickets. I will text you shortly, Mark and uh, Terry. Don't worry about that. And I'll here's the here thing. Momentarily. We have your number, and we know where those seats are. If we don't see butts in those seats tonight, we're, we're selling your cell phone number to spammers oh. that are going to call you every day. I thought it was going to be death, but I guess we can just Oh, sell we can it. kill them if you want. <laughs> I know a guy. We'll talk about it. we got a few hours to talk about it. Uh, must win. You better be loud, too. This is a must-win game tonight for OU, in case you haven't heard. You a little bit nervous <laughs> about it? I could tell. I could tell the nerves are getting to you today. <laughs> We've played uh, six must-win games in a row and lost six? five of them. I feel like it's been about <laughs> ten. Somehow we've we've continued to lose must-win games and still are in yeah. the fight. Hey, even if you didn't win the tickets tonight, you might as well go to this event because, well, you're probably not going to get to go to a Major League Baseball game this year. So what are you talking about? At least about? go to some sporting event. <laughs> They're going to get things figured uh, really? out. Oh, really? There was a lot of optimism last night, not so much today. And the bad thing is, is I don't really think anyone cares that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people upset that baseball can't figure it out between the, the, the two sides. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to miss 60 games or so. They're going to have a 
100 game season and every single rider in the country is going to write the well hell we ought to move to 100 game seasons this is great yeah well, at least my world championship T-shirt I have on right now is going to stay relevant for maybe a little bit longer. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. Let's uh, next hour we're going to focus on what major league baseball teams are going to benefit from a shortened season. Who who's chances have increased to win a championship because of it you know there's not a whole lot of topics where i say i'd rather talk about the okc thunder i would probably rather talk about the okc thunder than that topic that you just threw out uh nba trade deadline oh god let's go through the trade i'm getting triggered right now what's that thing called the trade machine on nba i'm about to be land landmine layman if you keep (laughs) saying that the trade (laughs) deadline talk well what if what if they get out horford you think horford be good (laughs) You think they get Horford? Oh, uh, hang on. Geez. Salaries don't match. Oh, well, well, Horford been good to get him three years ago. He would have won a championship there if they gave him a KD and, uh, you know, Russ. Is that not sports radio around here for the past eight years? Yeah. Uh, NBA trade deadline talk. Oh, kill me. Please kill me. Yeah. I tend to agree with head football coach Bob Stoops on the move to the SEC. I think there's going to be a definite bump. Um, I I hope it happens quick because the point he's talking about, and we've hit on it uh, quite a bit, but the energy around, like right now the energy around the football program, as good as it's been, since I've been covering the team, which is 2012, I don't know how far back you want to go, but the energy right now is amazing. That first year in the SEC, when we go live and we host our first Georgia or Louisiana State or uh, Vanderbilt, (laughs) whoever it might be, it's going to be so cool to be playing a conference game against someone that we've probably never hosted in the stadium. when OU plays, or when Vanderbilt plays OU close in year one, and they say, see, a little bit different in the SEC, (laughs) I'm going to say, no, we've been playing crappy teams close for a while now. See Kansas game last year, okay? So don't throw out the, see, Vanderbilt, a little bit tougher than you thought, isn't it? Yeah, it just goes to show that the USCC folks don't know nothing about Oklahoma. We almost lost to Kansas last year, all right? So this wouldn't be anything new. We've made a name on playing down to our opponent, okay? Is OU going to get an A&M-like bump in Cruton? Or no, because A&M was deep in the heart of Texas. And that's a contributing factor. They'll get a recruiting bump, yes. I think we all agree with that, but... Will it be like A&M? Because A&M got a huge bump, man. Yeah. Really? Let's see how big of a bump uh, A&M actually got. Let's see. So you would – do we go – we don't go off the announcement. Like go 2013, 2014. 2013 class. Uh, A&M number nine. Okay, a top ten class, which who knows at that point when the last time they were a – a top, top 10, ten class. And this is the whole Manzil uh, come up yep, come sure. up to number five in 2014. And uh, let's see, 2015, they were 
outside the top 10, number 11. But if you go back to that, like 10, 11, that's whenever you're going to be looking at the real comparison. And A&M is number 16 class in 2010. And then they were kind of right around that area. We got we got to hit a break here, yeah. but they got a they got a nice noticeable bump off that. Yeah, and they if did. OU can get something similar, whoo, buddy. 2011, they were 34. So Jeez. yeah, that's a big bump. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number one of the rush on this Tuesday. Appreciate Air Comfort Solutions for providing four tickets to the basketball game tonight. Those have been delivered to uh, both Terry and Mark. I believe they're sitting in the same section on the same row, seats one through four. Nice. I just texted them. I thought about sending one. This is one guy, seat one and seat four, or seat one and seat three, and the other guy, seat two and seat four. But I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it that way. I'm sure this is going to be a pr- pretty unpopular take, and I'm looking at it from a fan's perspective, but I don't love the NCAA Rules Committee considering changes to speed up the game in college football. Like, I, I don't know, I guess I've always found it weird that we sit around for nine months and say, God, I can't wait till football season, and then we get there and say, well, how can they make the games quicker? I want to be at the stadium less than what I already am. Well... Here's the thing, and this is what I took from the article, and you may disagree, but the one of the big problems with the expanded playoff is more games, right? And there is a there's a player like a competition committee of of current players, I believe, and that's one of their sticking points is exposure, more games, more time on the field, more injuries. So I think this is their way of trying to address that to remove that sticking point on the expanded playoff. But we can get into that more in the next hour. Quick timeout. Hour number two is next.